Welcome to the Knox Soccer Podcast, where we tell the soccer stories of our favorite big town, little city, Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm Patrick Teasdale. And I'm Brian Canever. Currently, we are looking out onto the empty pitch and stands at Maryville College, and we just witnessed the one Knoxville SC victory, 1-0, over Tennessee SC. The boys in blue have faced Tennessee SC earlier this season in a dramatic weather-delayed, rain-soaked, lightning storm shortened match, but tonight nothing of the sort interfered with the match. All 90 minutes played on without a hitch. One Knoxville earned three crucial points in the South Central USL 2 division. And how crucial they were, Patty, because Asheville City SC, who one Knoxville defeated 3-1 earlier in the week, they got a crucial victory over Tri-Cities Otters last night. It was a weird match. It ended after 45 minutes because of a problem with Asheville City's lights at Memorial Park. It looked like a little bit of poop housery, <laughs> uh, which which we're familiar with because of the goalkeeper Andrew Redmayne for Australia doing a, a bit of poop housery himself uh, during their crucial qualifier for the World Cup against Peru, and Australia did make it through. Asheville last night went up 1-0 in added time of the first half. Then Tri-Cities got a penalty kick in added time of the first half and oh skied God. it straight. Ah! It was a field goal for Tri-Cities. Come on, Tri-City Otters. You had one job. You had one job. Actually, I think he skied it so bad that it wasn't even a field goal. I think he would have missed the extra point on ah! that one. And so that put Asheville City temporarily at top of the league, but now one Knoxville is back on 28 points, Asheville with 26 points, and we had a heck of a game. We're going to get ready to describe it in a little while. If you're curious about Tennessee SC, don't know anything about them, arguably one or two, if not the top, a youth program in the entire state. They're based out of Franklin. This is their first year in USL2, and that first match was actually played at their field in Franklin. It was one Knoxville's third match of the season after losing to Asheville, beating Tri-Cities 1-0 at home. They went on the road, and they picked up a 1-0 victory in a match that uh, it actually got called in the 73rd minute, but in terms of when it was supposed to start to when it actually ended, I think it was like five or six hours that oh they waited. Gosh. Ended around 2 a.m. Uh, when just the rain delays were too much. There was thunderstorm lightning, and the referee called it. And so Tennessee SC came out vicious tonight with that bitter, ugly taste in their mouth, a lot like one one Knoxville had when they played against Asheville City earlier in the week for that game that we traveled for. Of course, you and I have a podcast episode about that. You and I have a podcast episode about that first Tennessee SC match, and they were aggressive. They put the pressure on. It was like a boiling teapot a lot of the game. One Knoxville did hold on, though. They got a 1-0 victory with an early goal from who else but Steven, the Black Mamba. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Afrifa. I, you coined that one. That was good. I'm glad you put on your rider hat and you and you put it all together, well, man. Well, you know, I, I was thinking Stevie Wonderboy at mm-hmm. first. Yep. Uh, Jeff Markman, a good friend of the pod, he actually suggested stretch Afrifa because his limbs seem to be 10 feet longer than they actually are whenever he's on the ball. Then last week, he described himself, Stephen Afrifa did, as, as a snake, the way he slithers into the box. And I thought, well, not just a snake, but... His roots are in West Africa, in Ghana, and we know Black Mambas are all over West Africa. And so I said, he's the Black Mamba. And that early goal off a long throw, those dead ball situations, which we've said all season, one Knoxville capitalizes on time after time. Steven Afrifa, he did, put it in the back of the net, and that earned the victory, the three points, and the team met the objective that Mark McKeever always talks about. 
keeping the clean sheet. All right, so the Knox Soccer Podcast boys are pulling double duty tonight. Brian crushed it on the live stream color commentary, and then I, Patrick, filled in for Casey Beeman, honorary co-host, on the PA. So if our voices give out later in the pod, you know why. My duties consisted of the announcements, announcing the starting lineups and subs, plus running the clock, which is the one thing I felt most anxious about. But I was able to flip it on over at halftime and do a countdown clock for 15 minutes. I was a pro by the end of this match. But then Brian was uh, on the live stream. Brian, what was your favorite call of the match? And can you take us back to that moment? So actually, I want to say for a second that uh, color commentary, even though I get intimidated before every game, uh, we kind of have the benefit of of people knowing most of us are delusional, uh, <laughs> neurotic. Uh, Ray Hudson, you know, longtime commentator of La Liga for Goal TV and then being sports. Uh, he's kind of a nut job. And I call myself the Rio Platense Ray Hudson. And so uh, if I say, you know, some BS, if I talk out of my butt a little bit, it's all right because people are like, that's what color commentators are supposed to do. PA guys, though, yep. <laughs> you got to pronounce the names right. You got to run the clock. I'm actually glad, you know, we did those two things. But then also, you know, we're on the field before the game, guys. We're on the field at, at halftime and we're we're recording. We're trying to give you guys every taste of action that we possibly can. And I'm watching that clock countdown like, okay, three minutes. Brian, you're on your pirate. <laughs> you're on your pirate peg leg crutch. You got to hobble <laughs> gotta back up there. Up there. Bro. You gotta get up on the commentary, so uh, a lot of pressure on you, Patty, but I think you performed excellently on the night. Thank you. Good friend of the pod allowed me to cut in line for me to use the restroom so I can get back up for the second half, so I'm very thankful for that. Uh, yeah, so there are some perks, but there are some pressures. Yeah, Brian, how was our color commentary for you? It, it seems like you're in the groove now. You you got some notes coming in. You and Andy have a great play off of each other. What was a favorite thing for you or a favorite call or favorite moment in the match? Yeah, let me get to that question, Patty. And I think it had to be the goal call, right? Uh, I love goals. Uh, I think I had it down in the 12th. I love goals, too. In the 12th minute, Stephen Afrifa scored. We'll cut that for you, obviously. You've probably seen it already because we've already done it. But the goal call, it was it was brilliant. You know, Moses Mensah had the long throw, and that's Exactly how one Knoxville scored in their match against Asheville City, that first goal that Yannick Kron scored. There was a deflection in the box. I think it was Max McNulty who actually beat the defender to the ball. That allowed it to come back to Steven Afrifa at the back post and score that goal on a volley from within the six. I can't remember what I say. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have all these notes written out. I'm doing all this research before the match, and one of my good friends from uh, Redeemer Church of Knoxville. Russ, who I haven't seen in many years, Russ came over and he was like, man, you were talking the entire time. You really must have done your research. And I said, I did. Uh, the goal call, I have no idea what I said. I, I definitely made a reference to the Black Mamba, but we were on our toes because of that action. Sibley, the goalkeeper for Tennessee SC, was busy on the night. I think at match end, one Knoxville had 12 shots, eight shots on goal, a couple of saves. Benny Montero also looked to have scored, but it got called back for an offside. Then on the opposite side, Flying Ryan Troutman soared through the air, mm -hmm. not once, not twice, three or four times. I think he had seven saves on the night. Uh, some of them were more comfortable, but he really got out there. He commanded his area, and so we had a couple of nice calls for Flying Ryan Troutman. Those two guys were very, very clutch. But as we get into it on the episode, the people that you'll hear from in just a few moments, uh, the people who really performed at the top uh, for Mark McKeever were those center backs, the, those defensive players, Seth Antwi, who we saw come back in after being injured in last week's home match against Peachtree City, uh, Marco Matreski, who played both in a defensive and attacking position, Sam Fletcher, who came in, who's a newer player, UC San a Barbara player, Arizona native, who's just playing in a second match and is naturally fit into the squad. And then that back line, Farid Sarsar, 
the Argentinian, right? The, the Viveza Criolla on the right side. Finn McGraw, the big red wall, holding it down and actually wearing the captain's armband tonight. Very awesome. In place of James Thomas. I did see James Thomas on the sideline, and I asked him about it, and he said it feels very, very strange to not be <laughs> on the field. He was trying to get as close as possible to the rope, yep, yep. you know, the rope that separated the fans from the field, uh, so he could shout at the boys a little bit. Uh, but I think he was he was with his missus, uh, spent some time with her, spent some time with the players who aren't in the squad. Of course, all those players still show up, even though they're not playing, and they sit in the stands with the fans. They come onto the field afterward and celebrate with their teammates. Uh, so Jamesy Thomas uh, was out. Finn McGraw did a wonderful job in the back, holding it down. Uh, the big red forehead came to the rescue <laughs> uh, a handful of times. And then Danny Fernandez, who made his long-awaited return, he spent three weeks on the sidelines. He had his head basically split open in that Dalton Red Wolves match at home at the end of May. Then he had a concussion. The guy's been chomping at the bit. Uh, Dean Gray calls him, you know, like a bull in a cage. And he was a little bit like a bull in a china shop tonight. He was after yep. everything that came that came anywhere close to him. You know, so those defenders... We're great. So I think we had a couple of good calls describing that. Andy Brock, true professional, you know, a, a play-by-play guy, does Lady Balls games, does them with Tori Beeler Watson, who we're going to have on the podcast in a little over a month. Uh, Tori's a color commentator for the SEC Network, former Lady Ball, homegrown Knoxville player, uh, coaches for the Knoxville Reds, has some, some teams that are competing nationally, ranked in the top 50 in the entire country, right? And Tori is the person who I model myself after a little bit. A little bit of the lunacy of Ray <laughs> Hudson. A little bit of the seriousness and professionalism yep. be a balance. of a Tori Bueller-Watson, right? I had a blast tonight. Very excited about that episode to get her on uh, on the pod. Long time coming, uh, but that's going to be a fantastic one. Since we were up in the very humid commentary tent, I wasn't able to roam around to get a pitch side interview, but I did happen to chat with someone. Let's get to them now. All right, I am up here in the press box uh, doing the PA duty, and uh, my co-pilot here, can you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Davis Luna. I'm an intern. I do graphic design for One Knoxville. Fantastic, Davis. So you are the man responsible for the awesome social media posts and everything that shows up on the socials. Is that correct? Yes, uh, me and Sam, we, we kind of collaborate and do it all together, yeah. So what was the inspiration for the design, the aesthetic of the social media posts and everything that we see? Uh, well, when Sam hired me on, we both kind of went through um, some inspiration of what we wanted our posts to look like. And we looked at a lot of MLS teams. Um, both of us really like the old kind of film grainy look. Um, if you see a lot of a lot of our posts have that grainy kind of like vintage camera film look. So we kind of went with that vision and, and, and just took it. Yeah. So I'm up here in the PA box filling in for Casey Beeman and Davis is running the tunes. Great Spotify playlist that he has for us on game day. What is your outline of your game day duties here? Yeah, absolutely. So pretty much I'm preparing all the graphics we have that we post on social media. So game by game, they change. Uh, we try to change up the background of where we're playing and uh, the colors and all that sort of stuff. And so first it's updating that. Then it's making sure the playlist is in check for the game. Um, we get the starting 11 in and I update that graphic and pretty much just getting all the graphics ready and then taking a lot of pictures and up uploading a lot of pictures and editing them. So, yeah. One of the best parts of me being up in the PA box is seeing Sam with his SD card running up to Davis being like, here it is, here it is, here's the game photo. How does it feel to have that much power, Davis? 
Uh, you know, it's a lot of power to hold, but also I'm running a lot. So uh, while I'm editing these pictures, I'm also having to run the music. So there's times where my mind will wander. I'll get too, you know, ingrained in those great Sam pictures and I'll see Drew's face. Hey, there's no music on. The fans want some music. And so uh, it's a lot to handle, but it's, it's definitely one of the most fun jobs I've ever had. So I really love it. That's awesome. All right. And uh, Davis, who's your favorite player on the field? Uh, we try to be impartial, but it's definitely a one Knoxville heavy leaning press box. But who is who is the outstanding player for you? Uh, 100% Sebastian Andreasen. Uh, yeah, I can't really explain it. He's a great guy. Also, I've got to kick around with him. Not to flex, but he did pick up on the fact that I played soccer when I was kicking around with him. So, uh, you know, I will, I will remember that for forever, probably. So. Shout out to uh, Thorne himself. Thanks so much, Davis. Thank you. Ryan Troutman got man of the match and we didn't talk to him. Ryan Troutman got man of the match and we didn't talk to him. Fail. That's Podcast what, fail. That's what happens when you have ah. to do so many things. That's what happens. We talked to like a thousand players yep. and then Ryan Troutman, the man of the match, just squirmed away, right? Like he Dang. Just Ryan. Lost him, in, lost him in the clouds, Patty. Yeah, exactly. We know, we know you're listening. We miss you, buddy. Love you, Ryan. Before we dive into the match and hear from Coach and all the players, let's take a short break. Markman's Jewelers is a proud sponsor of the Knox Soccer Podcast and One Knoxville SC, located at 6932 Kingston Pike. Markman's has been Knoxville's choice for diamonds and fine jewelry since 1976. Visit MarkmansDiamonds.com. That's MarkmansDiamonds.com. We are able to talk with Jeff Markman. We have two things to report. Um, Jeff did say it is possible to get a golden hiking boot on a gold chain. I would love to see that. I feel like that would be great going into playoffs. Great to um, sport walking around Asheville, you know, or the next match, you know, maybe that goes with the trophy. Also, Jeff Markman's son, Owen, was a ball boy on the opposite side of the field with everyone that is volunteering for the match. There's supposed to be a level of professionalism and a neutrality, uh, but Owen just could not help himself when he scored. Uh, it's on the live stream. Owen was breaking it down, dancing, celebrating. Uh, so way to go, Owen. I'm totally with you, man. I thought I saw somebody <laughs> taking a, a little too long to get those balls back to the Tennessee SC players. A great game management uh, yep. there, Owen. Yep, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so all that to say, Markman's is your place for fine jewelry and diamonds. Go check them out. Wonderful people over there. Thank you so much for the Markman family for sponsoring this podcast. Our shout out for this episode is a five-star review from Apple Podcasts. It reads, we are a soccer town. So glad that a show like this finally exists. And that was from Beeman DJ. Hmm, Ryan, I wonder who that is. No idea. Thanks, Casey, for a kind words. We miss you, buddy. Brian, crazy to think that we are a handful of matches away from playoffs and we've potted the whole journey. How is this season going to end, man? I don't know, Patty. Uh, obviously, you want to say national title, right? Uh, that's the big ambition. And Mark McKeever has said, it's not being arrogant. It's not being stuck in, in the clouds a little bit. If you're competing at this level, the ambition must be to win a national title, especially when he and eight of the players in the squad did win a national title last year. right? So you want to say that's the, the, the cherry on top. That's the summit of Mount Everest, right? Right now, the important thing for this club is to continue racking up three points because they are in control of the division. They have a two-point lead on Asheville City with three matches left to play. That is an away match at East Atlanta next Saturday and two more 
home matches. And if they're able to continue their winning ways, they win the South Central Division, which is a trophy to go with that Smoky right. Mountain Series golden hiking boot, right? So win games, rack up three points, make the playoffs, hopefully get a good seating. You know, we got a Twitter account out there. I think it's an unofficial account, but it's called USL2 Bracketology. Nice. And they're constantly tweeting about who potentially teams will play. This guy or gal is really a magician. They're updating it after every match day. And so one Knoxville is projected right now as the leaders in the league to play against Texas United, who are leading the Mid-South Division in the Southern Conference. Texas United, undefeated team, six wins, four losses. Uh, but really, we have no idea who we play, right? Like, we've also seen Vir West Virginia United, potentially, or Nona FC, potentially, who's playing in the Florida Division. Once this regular season wraps up, the top two teams will play off in the conference semifinals for the Southern Conference, then you've got the Southern Conference final, then you've got national semifinals, and obviously that national title game, which will be the first Saturday in August. So how do you move forward? You continue focusing on the priorities, which Mark McKeever stated is winning, keeping clean sheets, and looking to make progress every single game, every single practice. You know, they practice during the week. They experiment with these lineups. The assistant coach, Dean Gray, told me that when him and Mark and Nick sit down in the house and they're, they they take out their notebooks and they're putting together teams, they sometimes have up to seven variations of a team Crazy. That, that they believe can go out there and yep. win the game, right? You saw it tonight. Finn McRobb, Moses Mensah, Max McNulty were the only three players to retain their starting spots. You saw new players come in. You saw players that you've seen on and off the season. You saw players who were starters coming on as super subs, right? There's a lot of dynamism. There's a lot of versatility in this squad. The goal is to continue performing at the best of their ability to their level. And Mark McKeever gives us his thoughts on whether they reached their level tonight, how they've been performing this season, and what's left. Let's pitch it over to the gaffer. Brian Canevet here after one Knoxville's 1-0 one win over Tennessee SC, and I've got head coach Mark McKeever. Coach, last week at home, the team beat Peachtree City 3-0. You were not satisfied with their performance. On Tuesday against Asheville, the 3-1 division deciding win at the moment, you were satisfied. How do you feel about the performance tonight? Yeah, a little bit mixed emotions. I think uh, tonight there's a little bit of reality because we'll put ourselves back to the top of the table. I'm still not happy with the connections that happened up the field. We played some lovely football, but the percentage of success from that wasn't good enough. Too many moments we were getting into dangerous positions, and then it was coming straight back as we were our own worst enemy, essentially. We told them what they were going to do, and they did exactly that. And obviously the game opened up, they brought on a little bit of pace, and it was quite clear, they brought him on to try and score, snatch, snatch an equaliser, possibly go for a winner. We told him if you don't connect the, 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 the top end of the field, then it's coming straight back at you and your own worst enemy. You've got to make goalkeeper make, make saves, goal kicks, corner kicks, throw-ins, and keep them up that area of the field. We failed to do that tonight, and the percentage of how we done that was remarkable. So again, we, with Steven, didn't have a bad game, scored the game-winning goal. You know, a lot of people say, well done, he's had a great game, but he's not. You know, the kid wants to be a pro. He's got to have higher expectations, and he does. He'll be disappointed there. Uh, Benny with his connections. Maxi got a little bit sick, we had to take him off the field. But even on the outside as well, we Mitchie and Moses, the percentage of success there wasn't great. It was good, but it wasn't great. I think if I had to look at anybody to, to pick them out tonight, Probably Farid Sarsa. That was the danger side, and he took care of it. Decision making, unreal. What I will say is at the back end of the field, remarkable. Finn, 
Danny Fernandez, Farid, a big part of that was Seth's commitment, Marco's commitment. Some of the challenges, the commitment from the challenges in our own box tonight kept us the points. So I would say our defensive display again probably wins us the points, like it didn't choose the night. But at home, again, we're looking for a wee bit more grace on the ball, a wee bit more talent, a wee bit more connections. We want to entertain the crowd. Ultimately, winning is going to do that. And we've done that. We want to make it special for them, you know. So I don't think we got there again tonight. My standards are always, I want the perfect performance. The guys know that. We didn't get it. We might never get it. But I'm still always going to want it at training, at games. So they're trying to meet my expectations, which is super high. I get it. But the, the objectives tonight, I didn't spit the dummy with my team tonight. Um, they need a wee bit of congratulations because they're top of the bloody division. So how can I be disappointed? All right, Mark, you've talked about the objectives of this team. And those two primary objectives are always to win, get the three points, and keep a clean sheet. You did both tonight. What were those other things that maybe you told the team at the start of the game that you wanted to see from them that you didn't see that you now work on this week that you have off before the East Atlanta road trip? Yeah, I think it's keeping the ball in the final third and stop trying to play the perfect pass and a little bit of the movement going towards goal, but we do it. We do it every week in training. It's just a lack of ability to connect it right now. And that's between the two players, the player passing and the player getting it. But it's getting better. It's getting closer. And there'll be a time where it connects and it looks absolutely astonishing. But I want—I don't want it to connect one time. We did good moments with it. We needed it to connect 90% of the time. That's what we're looking for. And tonight we were probably at maybe 35, 40% with the connections. They gave us an end product, a shot and goal, a corner kick, a throw in, something that keeps our team in the high end of the field. Uh, but again, we got we got good energy off the bench with Diego, uh, Sam Fletcher again, fantastic. Gio did okay, but again, connections in the second half weren't great. Simon had a big moment, Stephen had big moments, Benny had big moments, but there was a lot of good moments from our defenders at the other end as well. They were fantastic, so I don't want to grumble too much. Okay, so we know Tennessee SC came out and just like one Knoxville on Tuesday night, probably had a little bit of a, a taste for vengeance tonight because of that 1-0 win on the road earlier in the season. The defensive players stood out tonight. Finn McGraw had the captain's armband for James Thomas, who was not in the squad. Fareed Sarsar making his fourth start. You mentioned him, that he was one of the players that performed really well. Uh, we saw some different combinations on the field. We saw Denny Fernandez making his return after several weeks away through injuries. So for you, what does it mean to have that kind of depth in the squad, that rotation, and how do you feel like those guys did now going into potentially three more regular season games and then a playoff run? Yeah, we've got that game away from home at East Atlanta. Uh, yeah, we've got injuries um, at this point in the season. We have, have a couple of players going back to their colleges as well. So that's that's where the depth is needed. You know, we've, we've taken knocks and people have got aches and pains and uh, the depth is going to allow us to rest the players ultimately. Look after the human being first and foremost. That's our priority. You know, the priority isn't the football. The priority is looking after the players and making sure they're good, making sure they're developing, making sure their well-being is really high. And then at that point, obviously, if we can rotate, we look after their brains, their bodies, and, and let them evolve naturally, as opposed to having to go above and beyond with an injury. Hamstring, for example, Seth had an hamstring. We left him out on Tuesday night. We brought him back in tonight. We got him to 70 minutes. We've been doing it with Sebastian Andresen all season long. His uh, ceiling and his fitness is getting higher and higher because we gave him that projection timeline. If we didn't have the depth in the squad, we couldn't look after the well-being of the players. Ultimately, that's why we do it. All right, thanks, Mark.
<laughs> All right, Brian. So Jamesy Thomas wasn't in the lineup for this match to, because of the two yellow cards from the Asheville City match. So Mitch Cashin took his place. Tell me about Cashin and what you saw from him this evening. Mitch Cashin is an incredible wingback who can play on either the right or the left-hand side. Tonight we saw him playing on the right-hand side. He's somebody that could come in for a James Thomas. We've seen him come in for Moses Mensa. He's a shorter player, about five foot four, five foot five. Very pacey. Good on the ball. He's got some trickery to him. He actually had a couple of shots on goal tonight. He had one that soared over the bar, and then he had another one that he hit right at the goalie who had a, a man-of-the-match performance himself for Tennessee SC. Cashin is a guy who, it's like he's on a track, just running back and forth, doesn't get tired. And this guy, he plays for University of Tulsa in Oklahoma. I believe they ended the season ranked number eight in the country in Division One. Rivals of FIU, Florida International, where the Afrifa brothers and Benny Montero play. Uh, so they were talking a little smack to each other at the end of the game. Uh, Mitch Cashin has come in, earned himself a place, and unfortunately will be leaving early because his college is expecting him to be back. He gave us some beautiful thoughts, Patty, which he's about to share on not just how he performed, not just what this team has meant to him, but what he looks forward to in the future, potentially keeping that bond and that relationship with one Knoxville. Let's the go. Gaff, the Let's gaffer, go. Come on, Cashin. And those scruffies. Oh, my gosh. Those, those scruffies who just love him. Oh, that's awesome. Let's go ahead and get to Mitch right now. I've got wingback Mitch Cashin here tonight. We thought we had seen the last of Mitch on Tuesday against Asheville City, but he's came back surprisingly. Uh, Mitch, can you tell me about that game? High intensity. You were running up and down the field like you were on a rail. Uh, how do you feel like you did, and how do you feel like you responded uh, to a very, very game Tennessee SC? Uh, no, I felt good. I felt like we had a lot of good moments. Um, as Coach might have already talked about, but he spoke with us as a team. We had a lot of low moments as well, and he expects the best out of all of us, and um, I think that we can just take and learn from it. But at the end of the day, we got three points. We had a shutout, so we met all the objectives that he asked of us before a game. But we know it wasn't pretty. We know it's got to be better. So, unfortunately, I won't be able to be here to finish out the season with the guys. But I know that they're going to learn from it and do special things this season. This special team and. I just, I can't wait to watch what they do. So you came in this season and we saw you come off the bench a couple of times as well as start a couple of games. Uh, we're used to seeing Moses and Adam Kirkwood and James Thomas in those wingback positions, but you really started to stand out with some stellar performances. What has it meant for you being on this team and being embraced by these fans? I heard on Tuesday night from one of uh, the scruffs that he told you he was really, really sad to see you leave. You said that you were also sad to leave, but then we got the, the pleasant surprise of seeing you back. What's it all meant to you? Yeah, it's meant a lot. You know, I've never um, never been a part of a summer team, and so I didn't really know what to expect coming in, but it's been everything and more what I thought it was. These are relationships that will last way longer than soccer. Hopefully, they're relationships with the coaches that will last through soccer as well as this club transitions from a USL2 to a professional team. It's meant everything to me, and um, I'm just super happy that I'm able to be here and build the connections that I've been able to build, for sure. And then the performances, Jamesy and Moses, those guys are awesome, and it's uh it's they're be very easy to learn from you know they they pull you under their wing and they teach you a lot of things so very appreciative of them as well right so mitch uh you are a strong pacey player i saw you at one point give the ball up on the right hand side and track back like 50 yards to win it back uh knoxville has embraced you like you said 
Could we see you again? What's the future look like for Mitch McCashin once you go back to Tulsa? Yeah, no, I definitely, I got one more season in the fall. We're a very good team. Uh, I've been blessed and fortunate enough to have some good seasons there as well. So I just need another good and healthy season and we'll see what happens. I'm definitely keeping my options open. I love Mark and Dino and Nikki and everything that they're building here. So I definitely won't burn any bridges, but I'm keeping my options open to everything. And But I've been telling everybody, this is a great atmosphere. They have an incredible setup. Drew is the best owner I've ever met. And he makes sure all the players have everything they need. So as a player that wants to play professional, I know that if I was ever given the opportunity to come here by these guys, I would be given everything that I would need to be successful for sure. This is the first time that the fans are hearing from you. It may be the last. So signing off, uh, do you have any last words for the people who have been following One Knoxville this season, for the Scruss, for the more than 2,000 people who showed up tonight? Yeah, no, just up the Knox. I'm super... Uh, Super happy to watch what these guys do. These fans have been incredible. Thought I had a great fan base in Tulsa, but the Scrubs, I've, I've never seen anything like it. So I know they're going to uh, continue to do their thing this season. They're going to grow. This team progresses to the next season and so on. So I love them guys, and I can't wait to see what they do. And I love the Scrubs. So shout out to you guys as well. What else can we say about Steven Black Mamba? Afrifa. I am a loss for words, but I'm sure you have some more. A wonderful gent, uh, a goal-scoring fiend. He is now tied with Sebastian Andreessen on goals for the club. Is that correct? Yes, they're both on seven goals for the season. Uh, so tell me about the Black Mamba uh, before we get to him. Steven Afrifa, when he talked to us after Asheville's match, he said, you know, he models himself on tricky players, but he does not have a specific player that he models himself on. He's Canadian. Ghanaian roots. Canada has a lot of international players. They've qualified for the World Cup for the first time in many, many years. I believe it's actually decades. They've got Alfonso Davies, who's a wingback winger for Bayern Munich. Another very tricky player, good on the ball, very slick touch, scores goals. You could compare him to an Alfonso Davies, a junior Hoylet who's has Premier League experience and is a forward up top for Canada. You could also compare him to him. But I like to appreciate a player for, for them and for what I see. And with Steven Afrifa, he's very, very smooth on the ball. He's got a wonderful first touch. He's tricky. He could put the ball between your legs. He could put the ball around you. He's as good facing goal as he is away from goal. And we saw that against Petrie City where he did, he did kind of like a 360 move to score inside the six. Against Asheville, he scored from, you know, the corner, just dribbled it in past two players. And the thing is, he's very fast. You see it when he's on a dead sprint on a counterattack. But it's almost like he slows things down because the ball is not just super glued, but it's like crazy glued to his foot. Yep. Yep. He's comfortable dribbling. He's comfortable throwing down some tricks. And then he's he shows up inside the six. He shows up in the box, which is your basic expectation for a striker when that cross is thrown into the box whether it's low or high be inside the six ready to put a head or a foot on it and Steven Afrifa did that tonight and that's how he got the goal let's go ahead and get to Steven Afrifa right now Got the goal score here. Steven Afrifa with the goal that made the difference that earned one Knoxville, the 1-0 one -no win. Came a big on Tuesday night against Asheville, Steven, with the goal that won the golden hiking boot uh, for the club. What was it like for you getting the deciding goal tonight? Can you talk me through the play, talk me through the aftermath? What went on in your head? It's a set piece we pretty much worked on since the first day we got here. And my job is break free and get back post. So throw-in came in. It's Max on the ball. I know there's a 90% chance he's winning it. I just made my run back post, and the ball was there waiting for me. Pretty much it. Felt amazing to score it. Obviously, 
it was a much needed goal. We a little bit of pressure on us throughout the first couple of minutes. The goal helped us settle into the game a little bit more and helped us continue. We started off calling you Wonder Boy. Uh, last week I came up with this whole thing about the Black Mamba, right? Because I know you you got Ghanaian roots. You're from Canada. You talked about some tricky players that you model yourself off of. I know uh, Canada's got a lot of creative players and Alfonso Davies, a place for Bayern Munich. Uh, for you, how do you rate your performance? How do you think you did? And what would you have liked to see different potentially? Because I know you came out in the second half. Uh, I'm pretty hard on myself. And today, I personally think I lost too many balls. Honestly, getting the goal was a good part, but I wasn't very happy with myself. I feel like I have a lot more quality than what I showed out there today, but I'm not going to beat myself over it. It's just a learning experience and I get better on, better tomorrow. Okay, Steven, uh, so we've got East Atlanta next week, a couple more regular season games, and then potentially a playoff run. How do you hype yourself up? You talked about the chemistry for the attackers. We've seen you come on as a super sub. Sebastian come on as a super sub. Lots of options up top. What do you tell yourself? What do you work on in practice as we get closer and closer uh, to the playoffs? Motivation isn't really something that we need. We have it no matter what. We wake up every day. We've been here since day one. Our objective is to win the whole thing, so it's not about us needing motivation. We know our goal, and every day is just wake up and work towards it. With the attackers, whoever starts, whoever doesn't, doesn't really matter. We just come on, do our job. Subba comes on, scores his goals. I do the same. Max, Benny, we all contribute, and it's a great experience being with so many great attackers. We learn from each other, and we build off each other. All right, Brian, so we missed the man of the match. Ryan Troutman, uh, but we did get two of his closest teammates on the pitch, Danny Fernandez and Farid Sarsar. Why did you grab these two guys to come together and do a, a dual interview? Tell us about it. Well, two reasons. One, for us, because they performed very commandingly in yep. the back. Absolutely. They were the reason for that clean sheet, in addition to flying Ryan Troutman's wonderful performance and his, his crucial saves in the match. Mark McKeever said Farid was probably his man of the match. If he had to pick, he did a really good job on the right side, shutting down some of those attacking players like a Cal Galloway, number eight, and Adriano, who I believe was number seven. So Farid had a great game. And Danny Fernandez also had a great game considering he's been out for three weeks. He had some time where he couldn't even get on the pitch because of concussion protocol. That's one reason. The second reason is because I know these guys are both <laughs> Spanish speakers. Yes. And their first reaction when you go up to them and ask them for an interview, especially with me, is, is it going to be in English or Spanish? <laughs> so I figured you partner them up and they're going to be a little bit more comfortable speaking to you in English. Let's go ahead and get to those boys right now. I have two of the defenders tonight, uh, Danny Fernandez, Farid Sarsar. The back line really performed well, kept the clean sheet again, but we haven't seen you guys together a lot this season. Danny, for you first, what did it feel like to be back in the lineup after missing three weeks with your head split open and then some concussions? What was it like being back? Yeah, finally, finally I'm here playing. Uh, I, I wanted to play so bad. Uh, unfortunately, I had some elbows and... I was going to play and I had like a concussion, so it's been a little frustrating for me not to be in the field with my teammates, but always supporting the team. They they did a good job. Uh, we maintained like clean sheets, always perform well, perform solid uh, together. Yeah, finally it's it's been a while, but it's always good to of course get the clean sheet, but always the three points. 
Okay, so we've talked about it before. There's a lot of center backs in this team. I think you got nine to choose from. You usually only see three, none on the bench. Fareed, uh, this was your fourth star of the season. I know personally, I was really excited to see you because we've got the, you know, the Argentinian brotherhood, uh, La Viveza Criosha, which we saw a little bit of tonight. Mark said you were the outstanding player tonight. You were the one who uh, he felt had really uh, done a good job shutting down the attacking presence. How do you feel like you performed? Talk me through uh, how you felt the game went from your perspective. I felt good actually. I think they, they had a really good attackers. Then they switched. They have number 11, the big boy. He was really fast and dangerous. But I think the back line and the whole team closed him down. He didn't have uh, any space. I, I had a good game, but everyone has it. This is a team, a team game. Uh, it was great today. We won. We kept the clean sheet and here we go, the top of the of the table. Obviously, it's got to be tough when you're playing with different players every game, right? So on Tuesday night, we saw Finn playing with Buster and Alberto Suarez. Last weekend, we saw Farid, you playing, but also Alberto playing on the back line, Finn playing in a different position. Uh, it seems like there's players coming in and out. Uh, how difficult is that? And how do you deal with it when you're on the field communicating with players who you may not be playing together with all the time? Dana, you first. I just said um, we had a really good team, especially we have uh, really good defenders. We are performing really good, uh, and you can see at the stats. Uh, I think we, we maintain the very uh, clean sheet that we are solid. And it's always easy, easier to play with good defenders, and it's good communicating with them because it's so easy. They are, good. As, as I said again, <laughs> they are really good players. When you have the opportunity, you have to take it. And then I think we are performing good as a team and together, and not only the ball line, uh, everyone. We are attacking 11 and defending 11, so it's been, it's been really easy for me. Uh, for me, the same thing. I think all the center backs have the same profile. So the Gaffer and Dino and Nick, they like players who can play from the back, on the ground, keep playing, and then win the battles 1v1, be strong, be fast, good in the air. The only thing we, that changes is the names. But then after than that, I can play with Danny, Alberto, Finn, Diego, and they can play each other because we speak the same language on the field. So that's that's amazing, actually. Hey, speaking of language, you guys literally speak the same language. I think in the scrimmage at the start of the season, I heard you communicating a lot in Spanish. What's it like to have uh, a teammate that you can communicate with in your language if you need it? We've got a very international team, some Spanish speakers, Norwegian speakers, Ghanaian speakers. It's like all over the place. So what's it like for you guys, uh, a Spaniard and an Argentinian playing together? I think it's easier. Actually, it's easier because you're running, you're not thinking about the language. But yeah, we play college. We're used to speak English the whole time. So... We sometimes we are off the field talking in English to each other. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, we try to make our group with the Hispanic guys also. So it's nice. That's nice. For example, yesterday I was playing with, hi with him FIFA and I was beating him and I was talking in English. So <laughs> it's easier to speak uh, your language because you don't have to think <laughs> too much. And when you are exhausted, um, you want to talk in Spanish, but it's, it's, it's always easy to, to speak with everyone. Uh, so last question, Danny, I know you're Madrileño, uh, so I'm always looking for players to to compare for the fans who may not be as familiar with some of your college backgrounds. And so we've got Sergio Ramos, Fred, you're Argentinian. When I see you, I see Roberto Ayala, but I know you're, you're, I know you're a San Lorenzo fan. Yeah. And so uh, I was doing some research. I know uh, Fabrizio Colocini played for San Lorenzo, Zavaleta also played for San Lorenzo. So who are the players that you model yourselves off of and... Can I get a prediction for when Argentina and Spain play in the World Cup final later this year? I'm a Real Madrid fan. I'm always looking at uh, Carles Puyol. I think his performance in the field and off the field, uh, he's been great. I think he's my, he's my model 
always uh, he's very honest, very humble, always fighting inside the field, always very polite with the other team with Real Madrid when we were beaten by by Barcelona. I think Carles Puyol is one of the the standing players there. And for Spain, for sure we are ambitious and I think we are gonna win the World Cup against Argentina. And Messi is gonna, not gonna score because we have uh, Pau, we have Laporte, you know, we have a good defense. It's not, it's not like one knocks, but it's decent, you know? <laughs> uh, I think Majala is a great player, actually. One of the best center backs in Argentina history, for sure. He's passing forward, he was a leader, he was a great player. I also um, see myself similar to Mascherano because he played as a six first, as I did in Argentina, and then he played as a center back in Barcelona, and I love uh, his way of leading Barcelona, his way of leading the Argentina national team. And then about uh, Argentina and Spain, I think we have Messi and Messi is everything. His football, Messi is Messi. Messi is Messi. And actually, I came up with another question. So I'm wearing my PSG Messi jersey. It just came in the mail tonight. And I said on the broadcast, today is the second most important day of 2022 after my daughter's birthday. And that's because it's a day after Lionel Messi turned 35. So Farid, what's it feel like to get the win on, on the day after Messi's, Messi's birthday? I, I think it's sad because we are losing him. He's 35 now. In a couple of years, we, we will see videos, highlights of him. And we say, wow. This guy was great. I think we want to see himself as the best when he retires. Not because now we can talk about some things, but he will be the legend we need, we need Messi to be, you know? Do you have a message in Spanish for Messi or any of our Argentinian listeners? Messi, te amo mucho y gracias por ser argentino. Danny, I got to give you the option too, even though I really don't want to. For any of the Spanish uh, speakers who are listening to us, do you have a message in your native tongue? Nada, muchas gracias por, por eh, estar con Juan Osville. Eh, sí, con muchas ganas de, de veros en los próximos partidos aquí. Y eso le Juan Knox. All right, and on that note, hasta luego. fantastic to hear from them you teased off the mic of doing a spanish only podcast episode with them and a couple other people in the community if you friends of the pod are down for that please let us know we will absolutely do that that's one of the cool things that we have here patty with this team that's very international there's some local players some Knoxville players that are in the squad in the full roster but the starting 11 you do see a lot of uh, spanish speakers some africans west africans some british players european players and that's really exciting to have, especially in a place like Knoxville. These guys are very high-level footballers, likely professionals, potentially professionals at one Knoxville once yep. the team moves up to USL1, which is the stated ambition. Let's go. So we are a podcast that covers soccer all over Knoxville. Right now we're going hard. We're going in-depth on the one Knoxville season. But you've got any ideas, whether it's a Spanish-speaking pod, whether it's a podcast with some of the other internationals on this team, with some of the other internationals in the community, we've got you covered if you're going to pitch some Lady Vol stuff because we're going to give you a full season preview in August as our SEC East champions get ready to play again. We've got some exciting news coming up once the high school girl season kicks off. Yes. Potentially even a high school correspondent. Let's go! We may be looking for a sponsorship there to get somebody to support. Always having, be closing. Having, yeah, having somebody go and cover at least one high school girls game and one high school boys game in the fall and spring season this year. We got a lot of stuff, but we love to hear from you. We love the engagement. So toss us some ideas, just like you toss us those reviews on the Apple Podcast. All right, so... I've been holding this in this whole entire time, Brian. Um, on our way back from Asheville's car take, 
uh, we said, hey, we'll probably come into this Tennessee SC match a little bit of the pressure off. But Mark McKeever did say, hey, it's another cup final. And he's always talked about the sexy soccer. When I watched this match, it wasn't the sexy soccer. It was 1-0. We, we scraped it out. Coach is happy. It is three points. But, Brian, where, where's the sexy soccer, man? Where, what happened? Yeah, we're not going to fib and say that this was an outstanding performance by the team when it came to entertainment, when it came to goals. But it's the kind of win that you need to have in a tough, condensed 14-game regular season because come playoff time, you want to win however you can, right? Uh, last okay. year last year with the Des Moines Menace, that was a 1-0 victory at home in the final with a goal by Manny Busquets. That it, wasn't, it wasn't a stunner, right? But that was enough to win the national championship. And Mark McKeever's talked about this. Young Harris, his Division II team, where him and Coach Gray coach, that's where their day jobs are. They've been the number one team in the country multiple times in NCAA Division II, and yet they haven't made a Final Four, mm. right? So sometimes you need those gritty performances to go alongside those sexy performances. Mark McKeever was very disappointed last Saturday in the performance from his team because he's watching the fans come out. Last Saturday, it was over 2,000 of them that came here to Maribel College to support the team, and he wants them to be entertained. He changed his tone after the Asheville match because that was a crucial away win against a, a rival for one of those playoff positions for the division title. Today, I saw him give a little fist pump at the end after the whistle blew, after the team won. You saw him happy. You saw smiles on his faces as the kids were running all around. You know, Coach Gray had his daughter in his arms. Coach Nick had his son in his hands. You know, people were celebrating. They were happy. There were much more smiles. And Mark McKeever explains it. Now, they didn't perform to the best of their abilities. Yep. They didn't perform to the level he expects because he's a perfectionist. Yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. That's why he's talked about that sexy soccer and getting in that Lamborghini, yep. right? Getting from that Fiat to the Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. Right now, you know, tonight's performance, maybe it was a Subio performance, right? <laughs> right, maybe, right, right. maybe it was a Honda Civic performance. Right. My, you know, my Honda Civic's reliable. I've had it for a decade. But it gets the job done. It gets the job done, man. It, pr- it brings me from point A to point B, and sometimes that's better than being stuck on the side of, I-40, you know, waving down a trucker and hoping that it'll take you to the nearest Waggles where you can call your wife and have her pick you up, right? So this Honda Civic is going to get us to the playoffs. Yeah, so so tonight tonight maybe we saw a nice, reliable Honda Civic. I think the ambition is the Lamborghini, and maybe we see that against East Atlanta, which is a team that has also struggled, made the playoffs last year. They will have played by the time this podcast is released, so they play against Tormenta. Tormenta is a team in the number three spot, likely the team that could challenge for that second playoff position if one Knoxville or Asheville City let up on the gas. So uh, East Atlanta is going to be the, the team that they visit next Saturday. Don't know if they'll be coming off a win, coming off a loss, coming off a tie. And then they've got two more home games to finish off the season. Two more attempts to give us that, that sexy, luscious Tennessee tiki-taka football that Mark McKeever believes his side is capable of. The one Knoxville Lamborghini that I want to see. If you've got a Lamborghini, you want the podcast to borrow – uh, that we could do some stuff with, we'd be happy. We'd ha- we'd be happy to take it off your hands for you for, you know, thirty minutes, an hour, however long you wish. Looking for a Lamborghini for our last couple home matches. Uh, putting it out there. All right, be sure to follow along at knocksoccerpodcast.com and on Instagram and Twitter. Please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell us where you're listening from and what you enjoy about the pod. It is fantastic being here at home at Maryville College, talking with Farid. He loves being on the grass. We had over 1,800 fans here. Let's keep it going, you guys. A couple more home matches. Let's send these guys into the playoffs. 
They're going to bring that Lambo-style play. All right, Patty, I only got two things left to say. What do you got? Uh, one of them is, did you manage? <laughs> did you manage? I knew, I knew this was going up. On the goal call, uh. we've talked about when we when we had our interview with Casey Beeman earlier yep. in the season, yep. when we pitched what, what we think his goal call should be as the PA announcer, and that was goal or done. Mm. Did we hear goal or done from you tonight, Patty? I don't th think so. I think I also blinked of what I actually said. Because it's like, I go into work mode. I celebrated, but I didn't have the mic on, I don't think. you know. So I, I made the call of who the goal scorer was. And then I double, triple checked with Davis being like, uh, one Knoxville home did win, right? And so then I, like, I, I pushed the button to advance the scoreboard. And so that was my crowning achievement. So... No, no goal or done. Goal or done. Goal or done. All right. Second thing was to just remind our our dear listeners that if they do give us that Apple Podcast review, we will shout you out on the. Oh podcast. yeah, absolutely. We're going to shout you out. We're gonna we're gonna call you out by name. We're gonna say something lovely about you. We're gonna say something that you're proud to hear that you share with your kids. Drop us a beautiful, eloquent, long-winded review. <laughs> at the Apple Pod. And drop us some comments in our Substack as well. We love releasing these episodes. We love writing our One Knoxville Chronicle. We love reading the comments at the bottom. DJ Patel, uh, who's a guy that I played soccer with in, in indoor leagues for a little while now, big Arsenal fan. Let's go uh, Gunners! He, he uh, dropped us some comments after, after the last awesome. game. He sent us an email letting us know that he's uh, just uh, really loved watching the growth of the podcast. We thank him for listening, but we, we would love to shout you out, so, so do that. This is Patrick and Brian signing off for one Knoxville versus Tennessee SC, 1-0, one Knoxville victory. Arrivederci.